Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So what's the latest on the coaching search at Florida State? USF hosts Temple tonight. Can Charlie Strong pull the upset? That game is at a rarely used ball yard called Raymond James Stadium. Hasn't been a football game there in a while. How close are the Gators from being an SEC championship caliber team, and have they closed the gap on Georgia and LSU and Alabama? And the first college football playoff poll is out. The Clemson Tiger fans and Sooner Nation, well, you can't be too happy. We've got all that and more with Matt Baker, the college football writer for the Tampa Bay Times, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks. You've got to be tired of this heat. I know I am. Maybe a little cold snap will come through this weekend, but you know it's going to heat up again. That means you're running your AC and your electric bill is through the roof like mine. If you want to save 90 to 95% on your electric bill, listen to me now. May Electric Solar. That's right. They're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available. They don't use high voltage like many other companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all their equipment and labor they have a full showroom that's open weekdays. You can see their quality products. And May Electric Solar has been around for 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and peers. Now, there's other companies out there imitating them, trying to use their great name. But remember, they do not use subcontractors, and they do not subcontract with any other company in any other way. So everyone knows it has to be May all the way. Let's stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills, all right? Let's start saving now. Call May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. And if you do it right now, you can also receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 just by changing to solar energy. So call the real May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. And Matt, I personally haven't had a chance to talk to you, of course, since the firing of Willie Taggart. I know you were on with Steve uh, that day, but, uh, you know, a number of uh, lots of speculation since then, obviously. But Let's go to what's happening right now as far as on the field. No surprise, I guess, Odell Higgins will be the interim head coach. And Jim Levitt now goes from a consultant to an on-field position. Tell me about all that. Yeah, so obviously when, when Willie was fired, they needed somebody to be the head coach. And to no one's surprise, they tapped Odell Higgins. Um, you know, he is as FSU as you can possibly be. I think this is his 26th year on staff in Tallahassee. He's played for FSU played for ba- for Bobby Bowden, coached under Bobby Bowden, coached under Jimbo Fisher, coached under Willie Taggart. And again, he is just as he's a stabilizing force because everybody respects him. No one questions his loyalty and love for the program and that he definitely wants what's best for them short term and long term. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, obviously his uh, promotion from defensive line coach uh, to to interim coach left an opening for someone else on staff to to rise up to, to one of the assistants. And again, to no one's surprise, it was Jim Levitt because he's, uh, you know, his de- defensive prowess is well known. He was there as a defensive analyst. So and there were, you know, certainly a lot of speculation that depending on how things went down this year, he would get elevated to certainly an on-field role, maybe defensive coordinator in the offseason. So now, uh, you know, with three games left, he's going to be uh, 
it didn't specify what position group exactly, but he's an assistant coach on the defensive side of the ball for the final three games for the Knolls. Yeah, hard to know what his impact will be, but on on field is is certainly uh, you know a lot more hands on than than wherever he was uh, during the week or or in the games. So uh, mm-hmm. Willie Taggart is now moved on, but there's already been plenty of speculation. I think early on some reports that maybe Bob Stoops was a was a front runner or done or about to be named head coach, depending on who you listen to. Uh, that has not transpired, however. What's the latest on him? And then, you know, what are we hearing? We saw that, uh, you know, P.J. Fleck has gotten a, a big, fat extension. No surprise there that uh, Minnesota wants to lock him up. I would think he's on the top of a lot of people's list. Well, I think P.J. Fleck was certainly on the top of some list, either with this FSU opening or whatever else might happen depending on what happens with USC and what other what the other dominoes are. But yeah, PJ Flex signed a seven year extension on Tuesday. He's not going anywhere. Cross him off your list that that one's over. The Stoops mm-hmm. thing the Bob Stoops thing was really interesting. Just because I mean before the job was open, after the Wake Forest debacle, you know, when when smoke really started rising and we really started to think, okay, it's gone from maybe there's a possibility it happens to okay, th- this is a legit thing that it seems like the writing is on the wall, the end might be nigh. When that was happening, one of the first names that I heard from from people I trust was Bob Stoops. Um, I think that was wishful thinking on the part of FSU because he would have checked every box they wanted. You know, they're, they've got an outgoing, you know, in the next couple of years, their, their power triumvirate at the top is going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be retiring. So somebody who's a short, more of a short timer would be a fine thing in this instance. And they need someone to bring stability and bring, you know, not necessarily win championships, although that'd be great, but get them to the 8, 9, 10, 11 wins on a regular basis. Really just getting 10 wins, um, that type of thing. That And Bob Stoops could do that. You know, somebody to just kind of fix some of the internal issues with accountability and discipline and uh, just organization. And Stoops could have done that. But, you know, the problem is, does Stoops want the job? And, you know, he said, uh, told a couple people on Tuesday that he was not a candidate. What is a candidate? Does that mean he won't be a candidate? We can we can parse this as carefully as we want, but here, here's what I believe right now as we record this on Wednesday morning. Um, the, the fact is FSU hired a search firm. They announced it on Tuesday. I don't think you go from announcing and hiring a search firm on Tuesday to naming somebody as your head coach on Friday. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think it's more likely that this search is wrapped up by the end of the month rather than by the end of the week. Now, mm. these, you know how this stuff goes. Stuff changes really, really quickly. Don't hold me to any of that, but that's what my gut says right now is this is going to take probably a couple weeks more than a couple days. Mm-hmm. And Stoops, by the way, uh, is a head coach in the XFL, correct? How, how might that impact his, his ability? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure he has a contract with the XFL, all contracts mm-hmm. can be broken for the right terms and, and, and settlement. Sure, sure, um, sure. But, but here's what's interesting about that to me is, you know, Bob Stoops is 59 years old. He is not an mm-hmm. old guy, but he is not a young coach anymore either. I think one of the reasons he was open to leaving Oklahoma when he did, because, again, he had a great job at Oklahoma where he had won a national title. They were winning 10 games every year. They were mm-hmm. either winning or, or in the mix for, for the uh, the Big 12 every year and playoffs every year and that sort of thing. He left that. I think part of it is because he was just done with the grind because a college, a college football head coach at a program like an OU or an FSU is a 
I mean, it's eleven and a half month a year job, and you're spending your your August and 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 May evenings at eight thirty texting a seventeen year old four star recruit in Mississippi or Miami or whatever. And I think for a fifty nine year old guy, unless you really 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 want to do it, it's hard and it's a grind. And, and I could see why the XFL would be a great option for him because if he's still a ball coach who wants to coach X's and O's and make this team better then he gets to do that. But he's also, again, not schmoozing with boosters at, at these stops and then going over here and then going on this recruiting trip here and there and everywhere. And so it's, mm-hmm. it gets kind of the best of what he wants without a lot of the worst stuff. Makes sense. Um, what, what do you hear in terms of like, what is the general list of up and coming guys? I mean, who are, who are the risers in college <laughs> football that, that, you know, if not USC is looking at them, but certainly other you know Power Five schools might might want to consider. So Mike Norvell at uh, um, Memphis is certainly uh, is certainly a name that I've heard a lot. You know, there was he maybe got a, a tiny bit of traction. Certainly, the Gators vetted him when they ended up hiring Dan Mullen a couple of years ago. Uh, an offensive mm-hmm. mind who puts up a lot of points has had a lot of success at Memphis. Um, he inherited a pretty good situation from Justin Fuente, but I think mm-hmm. certainly has sustained, if not you know, probably taken it the next step. Um, and then when you really kind of start going through, uh, to me, up-and-comers typically means um, you know coordinators. And you have to look at the three Clemson guys. You know, Brent Venables, um, you know, he's had plenty of opportunities to be a head coach if he wanted. But I think, A, he really likes being the defensive coordinator at Clemson. And B, if he's going to jump, it's going to be for the the right job and a really good one. Is FSU mm-hmm. that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And then the two co-offensive coordinators at Clemson as well, uh, Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott. Um, Tony Elliott's the play caller. I think he's probably maybe a little bit more ready for the job on day one. But Jeff Scott, to me, is a really interesting uh, guy. You know, he's uh, got tons of Tallahassee roots. He's recruited the heck out of the state of Florida. You, you look at some of the guys they brought in, that the Sammy Watkins, um, Artavius Scott from Eastlake, Deion Kane from Tampa Bay Tech, Ray Ray McLeod from Sickles. He's been had his hand in a lot of those guys. He's a great recruiter um, with, with major ties to this state. So I think if you're thinking up-and-comers in terms of coordinators, the, the three Clemson guys would, would be on the list, and I expect them to get very strong looks from FSU. Well, certainly something to follow there at Florida State, who heads to Boston College. Um, look, they're still bowl eligible if they can win some games here. How do you think they'll fare the rest of the way with Odell Haggins and Jim Levitt and those guys trying to lead them? Well, I feel pretty good that they're going to be at Alabama State. <laughs> I feel pretty – I know. Well, you're I going know. on a limb there. <laughs> yeah, nice I job. know. I, this, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm here for the scorching hot takes. I feel pretty good <laughs> that they're going to lose the finale at Florida. I have no read on Boston College at all, Rick. Um, yeah. I could, I mean, I think it's going to go one of two ways. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a close game. Um, mm-hmm. I think either they're going to go out, play really inspired, be fired up, you know, playing for for their their gone coach or playing for Odell and, and playing for the university. Yeah. They're going to go out and you know, hair on fire and go out and play this inspired performance and win big. Or I think they're absolutely going to cave in because you know there's just been turmoil for weeks now. The coach yeah. that you know seemed to have been pretty well liked by just about everybody there, players coach, he's gone. What is there to play for anymore? The sky is falling, and they're going to get their tails kicked. I don't think there's a middle ground there. 
and I have no read on what, which one it's going to be, but I think it's definitely going to be one of the two. I like the first option. I mean, I, you know, you, there's always this you know, sort of right? ding dong. Well, there's always sort of this ding dong, the witch is dead feeling among players and among, um, you know, sort of a rally point, like you said, around Odell. The one thing they'll, they can't do is they can't blame Willie, right? So a lot of times when you have a head coaching change, it's like, okay, so now it's on us. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. Um, and, and, and whether you're 18 or, or 28 in the NFL, that's usually what, what sort of transpires. Is Boston College any good? I mean, are they a team that's very formidable in the first place? They're not, right? They're, they're hard to read. You know, they, they, they got blown out at home by Kansas uh, earlier in the season, but just kicked the crap out of Syracuse the other day. Um, yeah. A.J. Dillon, they're running back. I mean, he is a was he, 240, 250. He is a monster. Um, he is big, he is hard to tackle, he is hard to bring down, he has a great motor. FSU was fortunate last year when he came to Tallahassee. Um, he was pretty banged up, but you know he just ran all over Syracuse, so he is in prime form um, and, and is going to be really hard for them to bring down. So that's kind of why I have a little bit of pause, um, just whether FSU could win even you know w- without all this other stuff, because A.J. Dillon's pretty good, and FSU obviously has some issues and they've given up plenty of yards to running backs already this year. Um, so yeah, Boston college, they're not a great team, but they're not awful at this point in the season either. Lots to follow up there uh, at Florida state for sure. In these next few weeks. Uh, okay. Tonight USF it's USF and temple. Speaking of coaches that need to win, I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, Charlie Strong's going to be fired before the season's over, but one never knows. Um, Temple's always been a very physical team, a team that likes to run the football. How do you think USF might fare against them? You know, Temple's a weird team. Uh, you just look at just look at the record and, and what they've done the last couple of games. Beat Memphis, which is again, Memphis is a top Good twenty-five win. team. That was a yeah. that's a very nice one. Get skunked by SMU. Get skunked by UCF. So I don't mm. I, I don't have a great read on them anymore. I, I think you're right. They they are typically a very physical team, and and I think they still are. Um, the line last I saw was Temple only by a couple, which mm. gives me, I, I, I don't know, that kind of, uh, what does Vegas know that I don't? Because when I look at this, I see Temple winning fairly handily. Um, right. Although, again, Thursday night, weird things happen. And Charlie absolutely does need to, to win this one. Because, again, we've talked mm-hmm. about it before. But when you look at the last couple, you know, their final four games, Temple, which is at least a pretty good team, Cincinnati, which is a top 25 team, Memphis, which is a top 25 team, and UCF, which, at least on my AP top 25 ballot, is a, is a top 25 team. So you, you look at that, it's, it's going to be hard to win one of those other three, and you really need to beat Temple to, to avoid going over down the stretch and, and uh, you know need to have some, kind of some sort of proof of concept here at the end of year three to show that things are moving in the right direction and not completely regressing. Yeah, this it's definitely a big game for Charlie and for USF, and that would be a, a great win for them if they could get it. Uh, Florida's at Vanderbilt. We'll talk about that, but let's uh, back up a little bit to uh, the game you were at last Saturday, Florida and Georgia. I caught a good portion of it. You know, if they could have gotten off the field on third down, Matt, <laughs> I mean, yep. they might have had a chance. Uh, it, it just seemed like, uh, and, and we talked about Jake Fromm, who had one of his better games. They certainly put the game in his hands. But a quarterback like that, if you let him pat the ball, he's going to rip you apart, and that's sort of what happened, right? Yeah, to me, the, the the biggest thing that surprised me in that game is Florida could not get a pass rush to save his life. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought the return of Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Grenard would 
create some sort of, of pass rush. Maybe not a ton of sacks, but they'd at least scare from a little bit. And Zuniga mm-hmm. played a little, but but it's clearly not 100%. Um, Grenard thought he w- was in, in fine shape. He, he looked fine to me, but to me, there were the issues just uh, everywhere else. And, and I think some of it is, let's give credit to Georgia, because Georgia's offensive line at the start of the season was expected to be one of the best in the country. Andrew mm-hmm. Thomas, their left tackle, is going to be a, probably a top 10 pick and making a lot of money a year from now. So I, I think the, I think it's just the fact that, you know, Florida's pass rush, which had been good through the first part of the year, has slowed down, and Georgia's offensive line and defensive line, too, they're pretty darn good. And it just shows to me that, you know, the, the, there's still a big gap in talent between the two. D- Dan Mullen, for all of his X's and O's, uh, strengths and what he can do schematically and, and play calling, he, he is very, 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 very good. But Georgia right now has more talent. Um, I'm curious to see in recruiting how much the Gators can close that gap and, and through the transfer portal as well. But right now, Georgia is still the team to beat, and I expect them to be the team to beat next year and probably the, the year after that as well. You quoted him after the game, and I, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, Dan Mullen you know, being asked, like, how close are you, you know, to, to being an SEC champion-type team or in the championship? And he said seven points. Well, that's that's the scoreboard. Does he really believe that they're closer than some? Or, or um, is you know, I, I go back and I say, look, you lost Felipe Franks, and no matter how well Kyle Trask has played, which has been amazing, they've done an amazing job and have a really good chance in games go 10-2. and two, um with losses, you know, no, no, no crime here to, to LSU and Georgia. I mean, maybe they are really close. Maybe he's right. Maybe he is um, because, you know, every team has injuries. Injuries, I don't think, are particularly a, a great excuse. But Florida right. has been really, really banged up. And you look at the two losses, as you say. You know, if they had a fully healthy Jabari Zuniga and a fully healthy Kadarius Tony and a healthy and on-the-field Felipe Franks, Maybe things are a little bit different. Um, and certainly you look at the LSU loss as well, where they didn't have Franks, they didn't have Grenard, they didn't have Zaniga, they didn't have Tony. Those are four mm-hmm. of your top ten players on the team. So that that mm-hmm. makes that does make a difference. And for, for them to be in the position to, like you said, you know, I, I expect at this point for them to, to finish 10-2 and two and go to a Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, I don't know, something like that, and have a chance at an 11-win season. That's great. That's great for Florida, especially in year two. Um, eventually the, the bar is going to get higher for Dan Mullen. Um, yeah. it's, it's not there yet. Um, but the, the, the question though is how close are they? And, and yes, there's seven points, but I'm looking at the box score. It's 120 yards between the two. I think that's mm. more indicative of, of where things are right now. It, it's a hundred, it's more like 120 yards than it is seven points to me because yes, Florida had a chance late and, you know, if they had gotten off the field with two minutes left, if their defense had made a stand, they can drive down with a chance to, to tie the game potentially. But from pretty early on in that game, I never really thought the Gators had a chance to win. Um, it, so it didn't, it, yes, it was seven points, but it didn't feel that close to me. Yeah. And to your point, I- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Watch the last drive. I, I, um, when they did score a touchdown, it took them about eight minutes, I think. And you know, they were using an awful lot of clock. Um, it just didn't seem like even if they got the ball back with that, that sort of progression that they were going to be able to get down there quickly. Um, but, uh, but, but it has been a good year. Any chance that there's a hangover, uh, probably not at Vandy, but, but, but Missouri, the game at Missouri, they have not fared well against the Tigers for a while. So that, that might be the, the toughest of the three, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. It, there, I don't see a hangover against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt kind of sucks, frankly. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they're That's two harsh. and six. <laughs> well, <laughs> My job's I guess I, my job's to call yeah. it like I see it. They they That's they true. did Vandy did have it the big win over Mizzou a couple weeks ago where where Derek Mason kind of showed a lot more passion than we're used to seeing from him just because that mm-hmm. was a potentially a job saving thing. But Vanderbilt's not very good. That you know I think Florida should win and win handily. Mizzou is hard to figure out because they they lost to Wyoming in the opener, then went on a nice run where they were you know up in the top 15 according to some of the the uh, computer metrics and then they haven't looked good since um and, and you know on the road all that stuff I, but i still think florida's the, the better team i think florida's getting going to get his act together after you know after georgia so yeah I, I right now i certainly think 10 and 2 is the most likely scenario and again at that point you're looking at like a, a at a new year's six bowl probably uh, you know, maybe the cotton bowl maybe the uh, the orange bowl which i'm sure the, the people down in miami would be very happy about Absolutely, they would be. And speaking of Miami, the University of Miami, they'll take the win at Florida State. They're happy to have it. Manny Diaz's program is uh, at least pointed over 500. They play Louisville at home. Um, where do you think where where does Manny have the Hurricanes right now? He he has them in a fine place, but not a a, a great place. Um, Certainly, you know, obviously they were they were 17 points better than than FSU on Saturday. And that's a huge kind of statement win for them to show that they're going in the right direction because I mean, this hasn't been a great year. Um, right. They were they've been competitive in all of their their four losses all by seven points or less. But then some of the wins like the Central Michigan one where they had to hold on to beat Jim McElwain and um, barely beating Pitt and that sort of thing. So th- I think they're 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 making some strides. Um, I, I knew there would be some gro- growing pains with Manny in his first year, first time head coach. That's always going to be the case. Um, right. I'm, so I want to see how he does really in this off season with the and the next one as well. Um, just in terms of having more time to try and get a recruiting class together because that's what he can do. He, he's a great recruiter that I think can, has brought a lot of energy to the program. Um, the fans are willing to give him the benefit of the doubt after a you know probably mediocre season, mediocre Gasparilla Bowl, Military Bowl, something like that. But eventually he's going to have to start winning, and I think the way he's going to do that is by getting some of the the state of Miami players to stay down there. Um, And so I'm really curious to see what he can do. Yes, yes, the next couple weeks as well, but really end of November through the first signing day and into the second, what he can do on on the recruiting trail to, to try and get the Canes back. It's all about recruiting. There's no doubt about that. We're going to get to the uh, college, uh, the first college football playoff poll here in a second. Uh, but some some big games across the country that I wanted to talk about, and we'll start with the biggest one. College game day is in Tuscaloosa 
LSU at Alabama. Um, this is as good an LSU team as I've seen, especially offensively, uh, to go with what's always been a pretty good defense. Joe Burrow's having a Heisman Trophy type season. Could he be the difference in this game? That you know, it's it's a quarterback matchup. I think people dream about in college football. Yeah, it absolutely is. Assuming Tua is a healthy enough to play and be healthy enough to play well because yeah. Yeah, at that point you're looking at two of the top certainly five quarterbacks in the country maybe one two going head to head what mm-hmm. i think is so interesting about this game is this year's game of the century right is the the, the last game of the century was also lsu bama in 2011 that was nine to six that was <laughs> i remember that, yeah that was about as ugly a, a game as you will ever see um and this one is going to be like 49 to 30 to 46 or something ridiculous and it's the same teams um yeah. but i you you give credit to to both of them for understanding the way that the game has evolved the rules have evolved the way recruiting has evolved where bama has you know this isn't a standout bama defense it's not as good as some of the ones they've had in the past but what it has is the best collection of receivers in the country and maybe one of the best the game has ever seen. So they use that to their advantage. And the same with LSU, where you think of them traditionally as this ground-and-pound team, but they've made some schematic personnel changes over the last year or two, um, obviously bringing in Joe Brady from the Saints to be their passing game coordinator, opening up the offense a little bit more to use their really tall, really fast, really good receivers that – if you use them on the outside, sometimes you can open up some cracks on the inside, like what we saw them do against uh, against the Gators a few weeks ago. So um, I, it's just really interesting to me how much those teams have changed along with the rest of the sport leading up to, the, again, this year's game of the century. Hey, Matt, can I drop a stat on you here? Yes. So the last four matchups of one versus two in November in college football, the winner has not won the national championship. And in fact... Hmm. Three of those times, the loser went on to win the title. That's going to – I'm trying to process that. Um, It will be interesting to see what happens there then. Um, I I say that because if Bama loses, Bama is is still in the playoff mix. But Mm -hmm. from what we saw with the playoff rankings the other night, I I don't know that a one-loss – I I know a one-loss Bama is not guaranteed to go in. Right. But I I think a one-loss Bama might – be on the outside looking in. Right. Well, and all um, the all these took place before the playoff as well. So, sure, sure. We're in the no, BCS just, and then just before the BCS era. Right. It just again, this is part of the game shifting. Where um, you know, a one loss LSU, I would think, would have a very good chance of getting in ahead of uh, you know maybe a one loss Pac twelve champion or something. So again, I in that case, then maybe LSU should try and lose. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean. <laughs> Well, look, correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be dead wrong here, but didn't Alabama win a national championship when they didn't win the SEC title? Uh, They did, but that was a a Bama with a tougher schedule and and tougher non-con schedule than what they had this year. Again, just, I mean, Bama's toughest non-con game this year was Duke, which is mediocre in the ACC coastal soup. Um, You know, if they lose to LSU, then their best win will be Auburn, which might finish eight and four, and then you know they will have a win over Texas A and M, which might finish seven and five. So, unfortunately for for Bama this year, the SEC West is is 
you know, still top heavy, the, the best division in the country, but it's not mm-hmm. so deep and the non-conference schedule is not so strong that it can carry Bama over a one loss Oregon who barely lost to Auburn in the opener or something like that. No, that's, 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 those are all good points. You're exactly right. Um, that this game though is, is one that I think is, is, is interesting because of the ability to score points. And you I remember the nine to six game. Um, I think it's going to be just the opposite. As you said, if Tua can play and boy, NFL scouts will be all over this game as well. You, know, oh, yeah. you talk about some of those uh, teams that were tanking for Tua. Well, um, there might be a, another reason to look at this LSU quarterback. Maybe when, by the time we get to the combine and all that stuff, uh, Joe Burrow rises to the level of uh, of maybe the top quarterback in the nation. We'll see, but um, this will be a nice head to head battle, and, and I'm sure the NFL will be will be watching closely. There's some other national games, and again, uh, talk about the college football poll here in just a second. But Penn State is at Minnesota. We talked about the job PJ Fleck has done. Penn State certainly well in the national championship hunt. Um, what kind of game do you think this is going to be? The fact that it's at Minnesota. Does it look like the Gophers have a good chance here? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be Minnesota's biggest game in a long time. I mean, I think the last time they were undefeated this late in the season was like 1961 or something ridiculous like that. Uh, So I want to know just how good, what what I'm going to learn from this is just how good Minnesota is. Yes, there ain't Mm -hmm. no. Um, Mm -hmm. S&P Plus, with ESPN Advanced Metrics that I like a lot, thinks they're the the number 10 team in the country, which... Wow. To me, seems a little bit high, but I put some stock in that. Mm-hmm. And then again, here's a crazy stat from uh, from my friend Bud Elliott at the Banner Society. They've played seven backup quarterbacks this year. Wow. So that's a thing that we need to take into account. Um, yes, they are 8-0. Um, some of their, their early games, I, I was slow to come around on them because you know they barely beat South Dakota State and they barely beat Fresno and that sort of thing. And then they started killing people while, while their starting quarterback's been hurt. So I, I wanna, what we're going to learn from this is just how good Minnesota is. Because Minnesota doesn't have the, the talent that Penn State does. Not a lot of programs do. Um, but I want to see just if they're able to schematically, with the, the extra week of preparation, figure out a way to, to find some holes against Penn State. Um, maybe be able to sustain some drives. And, and as, against a really, really good defense. And, and find a way to come out on top. I, I don't expect it. But I think Minnesota might maybe be able to keep it close. Wow. It's going to be a good game to watch. And another team, our good game in the Big Ten, of course, is Iowa at Wisconsin. The Badgers have been reeling, but they do have the Hawkeyes at home. This one feels like the loser might be headed to Tampa to the Outback Bowl. Yes. And this game's on at 4 o'clock. So if you get tired of seeing points in Bama LSU, <laughs> turn over to this one because it's going to be like 3-2. to two. Yeah, it's going to be something. It's going to be something like that. Um, Just because these two teams, you know, their offenses are not the greatest. Although, you know, Jonathan Taylor, the Wisconsin running back, is 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 phenomenal. Um, But Mm -hmm. these are defense, defense, defense heavy teams. And again, I I think that will be a very competitive game. I I like the Badgers in that one, and a low-scoring, peak Big Ten in November kind of contest. Yeah, they're going to run the ball, that's for sure. They need Keith Jackson calling that one. That's a good old uh, slobber knocker there. But uh, we've got the college football poll. First one was out, and uh, no surprise at the top, maybe Ohio State, of course, which we have talked about many times on this podcast, the the best complete, most complete team 
uh, 8-0 in the nation is number one, LSU. Uh, and Alabama follows them. And, and, of course, one of those teams are going to lose this Saturday, so that will certainly adjust the poll next week. But um, I can understand uh, just on strength of schedule and things like that why LSU is, is, is ahead of them. Now comes the interesting one. Penn State ranked number four. Clemson is at five. And I think, I mean, Matt, this has to be a complete statement about the ACC. Not Clemson's fault that no one's any good in that conference, but it certainly has hurt them so far. You're right. It is not Clemson's fault that everybody else in that conference is at best meh and at worst god awful. (laughs) But that's what they, that's what the committee has to deal with, right? Um, yeah. It's also not Clemson's fault that their marquee non-conference opponent, Texas A&M, again, they're they're a top 40 team. They're, they're a fine team, but they're not a top 10 team or a top 20 team or anything like that. So right. Clemson, a little bit unlucky there. And I, I think one of the things that's still holding them down while we have a sample size this small is the, the close win they had at North Carolina early in the season. Um, UNC is, again, they're not awful. Um, they're, they're probably going to go to a bowl. They're, they're going to be okay. But when you look at everybody else's resume, you look at a Penn state team, you know, they, they've beat Iowa, they beat Michigan. That's two top 20 wins. That certainly is going to be, get your attention a little bit more than what Clemson has done so far. So, but, but, but here's the thing, as we talk about this on November 6th, we, we can get all excited about, Oh, what about this? What about this? It will, most of it will probably take care of itself. I mean, sure. if Clemson if Clemson wins, they are going to the playoff. You can mark that down. An undefeated Power Five conference champion is not going to get left out. So they win, they're in. And if they lose, then they probably don't have the resume and the the leg to stand on to deserve to be in it. Um, and, and you know, if Penn State they went out, they're going to be in it too, considering they still have to play Ohio State and they'd have to play a maybe a Wisconsin or something like that in the, the Big Ten title game. So I think a lot of those things will, will sort themselves out, and certainly in kind of that 4, 5, 6 area right now. Let me ask you about an undefeated uh, Power 5 team that's number 12 at Baylor. Um, they obviously will probably you know play in a championship game. Oklahoma at 7-1 and one is ranked ninth, uh, and I guess they no one the, the pollsters didn't like the Kansas State loss, to say the least. What's going to happen to the Big 12 champion? I mean, what do, do, does Oklahoma have a chance with so many teams in front of them um, if they were to win out with one loss to Kansas State? Do they have a chance to get into the playoff? They need help is what it boils down to. You know, they need Baylor to to finish 11-1 and one with the one loss being to Oklahoma here in a couple of weeks and then beat them in a rematch or, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Between Oregon and Utah, you know the two teams directly ahead of them. One of them is going to lose at least. I think for Oklahoma's sake, they really need to hope that either the Ducks or the Utes slip up another time as well um, to give mm-hmm. them a little bit boost over the Pac-12. Georgia, you know, I think right now LSU or Bama, one of them will win the SEC. So Georgia will find a way to knock itself out again. Penn State, Ohio State, one of them is going to lose at least. OU is not out of it, but they're not in a a great position either. Again, if I'm looking at it right now, I think the the Big 12 is probably the most likely conference at the Power 5 to get left out of the playoff, but it's not a a given or anything like that. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for sure. Uh, Predictions uh, for you on the uh, let's let's do the LSU-Alabama game. 
I like LSU um, just because, again, Bama's defense isn't as great as it has been in the past. I think LSU has the talent overall where eventually they're going to they're gonna beat Saban. And I think if it's going to happen, I think this is the year that, that they can do it because they've got a great quarterback, they've got great receivers, they've got good running backs, and they're pretty battle-tested at this point. So I, I don't know the last time I picked against Alabama. I guess it was you know the title game maybe, but I think at this point I'm picking LSU. That's a great pick. And uh, not so fast, my friend, is uh... – as our, our guy. Great course, hey, let, let me ask you uh, what you got coming up on TampaBay.com for this weekend's college football coverage. Yeah, so I am hot and heavy all over this Florida State coaching search. There's a lot of string that I'm trying to pull, um, mm-hmm. and, that, and I don't know what string is going to get thrown at me uh, today, tomorrow, <laughs> and the day afterward. Um, but I will continue to be all over that. And then this weekend, I'm going to write about Odell Hagens, the FSU mm-hmm. interim coach. Uh, just because, again, lo- you know, long-term FSU guys uh, certainly know who he is, but he's yeah. a guy who's hopefully for FSU can be a stabilizing force and you know, a an, a Seminoles lifer who is thrust in the position uh, program that had so much stability now doesn't have any, and so he's in this role for the second time in three years. Any chance that uh, if he were to to just knock the socks off of everybody that they would consider him? Does he become a candidate? This is the second time he's been an interim coach now. I don't think so. Um, you, you, you never say never, and he kind of he was sure. asked he was asked that question on Monday and kind of deflected it and just focused on yeah. Boston College and you know whatever is thrown ahead of me at this point. I don't see it happening, um, but I do think there's certainly a likelihood that uh, if he wants to, uh, that the new coach would keep him around. Yeah, yeah, and he's been on a number of staffs before. He's Matt Baker. You can read him on TampaBay.com. Certainly follow him there for all the latest on Florida State, Florida, obviously, um, and all the teams throughout the nation. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. Exciting week of college football. I can't wait. I'm actually got a home Saturday where I can sit and watch college football game day. Oh, I'm stoked about it. Good weather, too. Hey, tomorrow we're going to preview the Bucks and Cardinals game at this place called Raymond James that they haven't been since September 12th. And we'll also give you their midseason report card a little bit. And Diana Neros, the Times Lightning beat writer, is going to check in with us from Fidenia. And uh, we'll see uh, how things are going over there across the pond for the Lightning. So lots to look forward to. And remember, folks, uh, even though we're going to get a little bit of cool weather maybe this uh, weekend, it's going to get heat- heated up again. So you want to save some money on your electric bill, listen to me now. Please call our friends at May Electric Solar. They have the safest solar available. And if you uh, order right now, you can receive a 30% tax credit through 2019 by changing to solar energy. So call the Real May Electric at 727-819-2862. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.